My name is David Goldstein. And I'm Brian Brinkman. And you are listening to the Beyond the Pond podcast. This is a podcast in which Brian and myself use the music of Fish to introduce a listener to other bands which we think that you will enjoy. This is the third episode in which we are going to tackle the Bathtub Gin from July 29th, 1998, the famous Riverport Gin. Awesome. Before we get started with all that, wanted to uh, send out a few plugs to a few other podcasts that we think are more than worth your time. Um, so if you came to us for The Fish, as well as learning uh, about other music, um, but you're really interested in Fish, we would definitely recommend you check out the Helping Friendly Podcast, or as it's known, HF Pod. Um, they have uh, some excellent episodes that you guys can dive back into in terms of uh, full shows on fish, jams, uh, some great interviews and great conversations with people throughout the community. Um, Under the Scales, hosted by Tom Marshall, uh, is a great interview-based podcast that has uh, stories uh, based upon the fish community and fish history. Um, and then finally, Broke Down Podcast, hosted by Jonathan Hart, who is of the Helping Friendly Podcast. This one focuses a bit more on the Grateful Dead, um, actually solely on the Grateful Dead. And as we're recording today, uh, just put out his second episode, which focused on April 1978. So great stuff there. And then uh, wanted to just let you guys know where you can find us. Uh, so a couple links to reach out to us, give us some feedback, uh, get us some criticism, give us some thoughts, whatever you guys want. We'd love to hear from you and get in touch and um, uh, get an idea about what you guys are thinking about the podcast so far. So uh, Twitter, we are um, live and available there at underscore beyond the pond. Got a Facebook page, uh, just search fish beyond the pond uh, through facebook.com. You'll find us there. Uh, we are linking ourselves to a blog on Medium. Uh, you might have heard us on the last podcast talk about a WordPress blog. Um, we're actually on Medium. It's a little bit easier of a place for us to be. So medium.com slash beyond the pond. We'll be writing a little bit more about each episode and linking to um, uh, set lists and albums and uh, information about artists and bands as well as each episode will be linked there. And finally, you can email us at beyondthepondpodcast at gmail.com, as well as find us on Spotify, where we're posting uh, a playlist of every podcast that we record, or at least the songs that are within there. Uh, you can find us on Beyond the Pond Podcast playlist, which will be on Spotify. And what's cool about that is that uh, with the way that's working, with each episode we record, we take the songs and we put it up there. So um, there's going to be three episodes worth of music by the time this one airs. So the playlist gets longer and longer and cooler, and you can put it on random and have yourself a fantastic time with that. 
Um, so some of the themes that we're going to uh, explore in this exploration of the bathtub gin, whether or not this constitutes the fish permagroove in its purest form, because as you'll see, it gets incredibly groovy. And we're also going to touch upon the evolution of funk from New Orleans Revolution to cultural nostalgia. And we're also going to touch upon the two sides of funk and indie rock. And if you can see a theme developing, there's going to be a lot of funk in this episode just because um, that's what the Riverport Bathtub Gin was all about. So as happens to be, we were recording this episode on the second night of Passover, so it only makes sense to ask, why is this bathtub gin different than all other bathtub gins? For on this bathtub gin... So why this gin? Why the Riverport gin? Well, one of the reasons that uh, we were thinking about utilizing this song as our third episode is, um, I don't know, perhaps there's, there's, there's been no more famous opener in the band's history. Um, David, I can't really think of a better way to open a fish show than with a 24-minute uh, full-on groove jam like this bathtub gin. What are your thoughts? No, it's... I've racked my brain in preparation of this episode to come up with something similar, and I can't, so I stopped trying. <laughs> I mean, I think back to like our last episode, we talked about the emotional rescue. Um, I know you can think of 12797's ACDC bag and uh, Psycho Killer, that one-two punch, but man, oh man, oh man, having just 25 minutes of the band shredding on stage is uh, pretty much all you can ask for. No, I would also say that um, it could be the perfect distillation of Fish's groove funk period in that one jam. I mean, after they get through the usual bathtub gin elegance, and it is a very elegant, very flowing, lots of similarities to the big C major happiness of the great Wenton gin from 1997, they just go off. I mean, they're so incredibly locked into the funk. That I mean, you listen to it immediately think this really could have only took place in 1997 or 1998 because it's just it's uh, it's that good and it almost sounds scripted. It's so um, so much in the pocket as we're going to hear. Well, yeah, it's um, it's a really carefree jam. I think that's one of the things I love about it is it feels like um, after spending so much of you know, fall 1996. And, you know, parts of Europe, 1997, at least the winter tour, searching for this sound that they found with the, uh, the 3197 Wolfman's Brother and then toured with this very heavy funk sound throughout summer and into fall 1997 and uh, had a really remarkable New Year's run and island tour that's just scattered with uh, remarkable jams. Um, it just felt at this point midway through summer 98 that they'd really stopped trying and they could just lock in at any point in time. And um, I definitely would agree with you that the, this is kind of that 
if you could distill the entire 96 to 98 period, it would really just resonate in this jam. And I think we're wondering if there's ever been better filler that's ever been included on a live fish release because they didn't release the entire show, but this is this bathtub gin. It's the filler on um, the live fish from Nichols Arena, which of course has the fantastic ghost from 1997. What is that? November 1797? This is actually the filler from Portland 98. Oh, God, you're absolutely right. That's right. Portland 98, which Although, was the tour. That was a tour opener, right? Yeah, tour opener. Okay. Um, kind of a weird live fish release. It's got some great moments. Uh, a unique. It's an inferior show. Yeah, it's got, a, it's got a unique uh, ambient jam out of Horn and the Tweezer, California Love, pretty decent Harry Hood. But um, I think what you're thinking of is the uh, the Wolfman's Brother, yes. Super Policeman. That I would say, you know, for me, that's that's uh, that's second best. That's second right. best. Yeah, that comes in. Which right is why that's where my head was thinking of the other really really good. <laughs> It's the Wolfman's Mecca Super from Champagne, 1997. That's the filler on the Denver show, right? That was one of my favorite things about the Live Fish series, and they really only started it with the second batch of uh, releases, was having these fillers uh, take up a little bit of the third disc and offer you something that was kind of a unified jam to whatever show you were listening to. Um, and really kind of showed you where they were at either within the tour or in like uh, the Bomb Factory release throughout the year of 1994 where you saw you know the Bomb Factory tweezer that show 5794 um, you know really relished and really appreciated but then 112294's uh, Funky Bitch that like 25 minute long jam that came out of it um, showcasing really two sides of fish during the year. I love the mm. aspect of it, just as a side note. So where did the show fall on the tour? We said it was the Midwest leg. I think it was number 11. This was number 11. Okay. Right when they hit the Midwest. Um, really interesting show. I mean, this could very easily be uh, a, a full-on release. Set one, you've got tons of rarities. Um, dog log. It's the first in 91 shows, uh, one of five ficuses of all time, uh, one of three vultures in 1998, uh, glide. This was the first glide in 60 shows, and it wouldn't be seen for another 60 shows where it would be uh, inserted into the really crazy encore uh, that featured alumni blues as well as uh, Tweezer Reprise, and I'm blanking on what the fourth song was in there. Um, it was a fantastic rarity uh, uh, encore on, on 724.99. That is some nerdery right there, my friend. That is impressive. <laughs> set two is no shame either. What, what do you think about set two? Well, set two opens up with a 14 minute buried alive. Um, Which I don't type think I've yeah. before. No, type two buried alive. Kind of what they do is I think they end up going into the same key that Rift is in. So if you can hear it by itself, it almost sounds like they're doing a Rift jam. But it goes type, I mean, under any circumstance, you would know like the Riverport show for the 14-minute Type 2 Buried Alive, except for the fact that it opens up with a 24-minute bathtub gin. Right. So, 
But uh, yeah, that shouldn't certainly should not be discounted. Um, it has an incredibly funky groovy too, but I think maybe a bit of a delay loop jam as they were all quite funky in 1998. And it goes into Kung, which I think we said was the first in 91 shows. And there's also um, there's a bluegrass debut of the Delma Curry song, If You Need a Fool, which I don't think Fish played very much beyond then. Well, but, strangely came out of that Buried Alive. So it was, yes. Which, you know, you always wonder when a debut comes out of a jam, were they, were they planning the jam to go into that key so that they could find their way into that? Um, but, uh, yeah, unique, uh, unique cover there. But, I mean, with this show, they could have played the bathtub gin and then, I don't know, played backwards down the number line 17 times and it would still be an incredible show because it's got the report gin <laughs> at this point. Um, absolutely. And uh, I, f- I feel like, you know, in that sort of sense, it has to be asked again, is, is this the greatest opener the band has ever played? We'd love to hear from anyone who disagrees and and why what a what a better opener fish could play uh, or fish has played because uh for my money this is this i i could go home after it basically like you just said yeah seriously add us we can take it we're, uh, we're <laughs> we very take, curious we can take your contrasting opinions we can um, take it if you got something better <laughs> please <laughs> so um you know, uh, in terms of where we're at in the tour, as we said, this is, you know, basically midway through a fantastic tour. This is um, known to many fans as the summer of covers, uh, just running down a list of songs that were featured throughout the summer 98. Been Caught Stealing, Rhinoceros, Running with mm. the Devil, Sabotage, Terrapin Station, Trench Down Rock, Burning Down the House, and Ramble On. Um Oddly enough, and, and I didn't realize this until we started researching for this show, but uh, the covers didn't really start until after this show. It was, it was mainly an August 98 uh, thing, kind of leading up to Terrapin Station on 8-9 and then probably spilling over into uh, that great Vernon Down show. Right. I was at that show, actually. Uh, the encore was burning down the house. You enjoy myself. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Yeah, they did ramble on in the first set. I think they dedicated it to Fish's high school band because Fish is from Syracuse, which isn't terribly far from Vernon Downs. But that was a that was a very good show. Only show I saw on summer night, actually, because I did not go to Lemon Wheel. And other than Vernon Downs, they kind of did not really play the Northeast. And I was working too hard that summer and too young to really travel very far. The ramble on direct segue into slave to the traffic light is a top 20 fish jam for me Um, yes it is so melodic and it is that blissful uh it's a similar feeling i I find to uh the undermine from 831 2012 you got the sun setting it's just before it gets dark and you get that evil fish uh jamming and it's just like that kind of step back, have a beer in your hand, and just soak in everything great about a fish show. Yeah, some guy offered me opium at that show. I didn't partake. <laughs> it would have made it more interesting, perhaps. But, yeah, some, uh, yeah, didn't do that. Probably, yeah, that was a good idea, in, in retrospect, not to take opium at the Vernon Down show. Probably. So. <laughs> um, this was, uh, 
this was Fish's fourth show at uh, uh, the Riverport Amphitheater that is now known as the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Uh, they played one with Santana, summer 1992. They played in 1995. I'm going off the top of my head here. I think it was 613. Um, once in 97, I want to say it was either 86 or 87, sometime in early August. And then this show, and they haven't played since. And this is uh, just from Googling this venue. It is as much of a standard shed as you could get. And for how little Fish plays St. Louis, uh, you would you would think this would at least have been a stop between then and now. Um, and also based upon that Google search, looks like there's a Guy Fieri food stall there. There is, which is fitting for the clientele, I'm guessing. Yes, you can see a rock show and go to Flavortown at the same time. Get some boom so, sauce. Exactly. <laughs> get your boom sauce, get your donkey sauce, and sit on the lawn and watch the Doobie Brothers or whatever the heck comes to St. Louis. I don't know. <laughs> but, Just don't watch the Cardinals, I'll tell you what. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, standout shows from this tour. This is really one of my favorite tours. Um I mean, I love Fall 97. I love Fall 95. Summer 98 is just consistent. Trey's tone, it's probably my per- my favorite tour for him from a tone standpoint. It's just perfect. It sounds like Summertime Fish. Um, Gorge had great shows. Uh, I'm, I love 716. The, the Reba is fantastic. There's a wonderful Piper. Um, but the next night, 717 has that 25-minute 2001, a mic song, a weak pog. It's like a four-song second set. Uh, 719 from um, uh, Shoreline, 724 from Texas, 728 the night before the Riverport Gin from Bonner Springs, Kansas is another really kind of wacky setless show I would definitely recommend. Um, 8-1 from Alpine, 8-3 from Deer Creek, 8-8 from Meriwether Post, 8-9, of course, with Terrapin Station, and uh, preceded by just uh, one of those kind of set lists that on paper looks like a dream uh, to most fans. 8-12, aforementioned, where uh, where you were at, David, and then obviously mm-hmm. Lemon Wheel. I mean, just across the board, some fantastic playing throughout the tour. Just uh, for Smashing Pumpkins fans, the, the Rhinoceros cover was at... The eight um, three Deer Creek show. It was the opener. I guess it was rumored that they played it because Billy Corrigan in some radio interview got all Billy Corrigan and said that we can jam better than fish. Fish is garbage. Yada yada. So they opened the show with Rhinoceros. Um, I think it was also supposed to have been a part of Soundcheck for years. And John Fishman isn't quite Jimmy Chamberlain, but that said, it's a pretty faithful cover that I wish they would bring back because it was random and just played very well. Yeah, for a lot of the covers that they do of modern alternative and indie rock, uh, I'm looking at you, Gold Sounds, um, they have a, a tough time keeping up with it and, and playing. And, um, you know, they cover classic rock so well that when you get beyond, like, 1985, 86, they tend to have a hard time just really mimicking the sound. But I, I'm right there with you. They just nailed Rhinoceros and... Uh, such a somber song to then follow it up with a you know really fantastic Haley's, Haley's twenty minute Haley's jam um, right after that was was uh, just great. So briefly, some personal thoughts we just have from this jam. Um, 
I have to admit, I did not hear this in 1998 because I got a lot of tapes from that summer. For some reason, the show just never really crossed my desk. I'm kind of ashamed to say that I never heard it until it became the filler on the um, the one live fish show from Portland. And just I figured, okay, this is 24 minutes. It's filler. It has to be here for a reason. And when the funk jam starts up, you think, okay. Oh, this isn't stopping. Oh, man. Huh. All right. <laughs> Let's go. It's still going. It's still going. It's, uh, it's a go-to Friday, sunny morning. It takes me a half hour to walk to work. You put this on, you strut, you're in a much better mood, at least for me. And it's also worth noting that um, it kind of, when they end it, Trey's almost kind of a dick about it. Like... After this incredible funk jam, he ends it by going back to the bathtub gin theme kind of sloppily, and then he throws in this big freebird strum ending. It's his, it's a big I'm Keith Hernandez type moment. Like the saying, I'm, I'm Ernest Anastasia III, you're not. I'm going to play dog log, and I'm going to take your money. That's, <laughs> and you're going to like that's, for it. That's right. That's, that's what they could do in summer 1998. <laughs> yeah, I was I was there with you. I um I did not hear this until it came out on the filler. Um, I was wasn't introduced to Fish until 2001, really. Um, but uh, shortly after they um, left uh, in 2004, uh, after Coventry, I kind of just kind of accepted that Fish was not going to be a part of my musical life and that they were going to not be a part of uh, modern music. And I kind of started looking elsewhere. And by about summer 2007, uh, early 2008, I just distinctly remember not caring about Fish at all. Um, but I remember moving out of my apartment in college into another one. And for whatever reason, we were just, you know, it was one of those like long days, you're just packing everything into a U-Haul and you just had music kind of going on in the background. And um, someone put on this uh, um, this 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 show that then ended up on the uh, on the filler with the Riverport Gin, and I remember just listening to it and just dancing and just thinking like Paige, like as he <laughs> just went off on the organs and the clav, and I was just totally reinvigorated, and it threw me into this deep dive of fish um, that spilled over into the announcement in 2008 and back into uh, the Hampton shows. And uh, I, I don't know, maybe maybe this jam is the reason why we're having this podcast right now, why I'm still a Fish fan. I, I love this jam so much. I think we've kept the peeps in suspense long enough. Let's hear some jam. Let's do it. Thank you. 
Funk music is an amalgamation of soul music, soul jazz, R&B, and Afro-Cuban rhythms which are absorbed and reconstituted in New Orleans. Like other styles of African-American musical expression, funk initially accompanied many protest movements during and after the Civil Rights Movement. The word funk initially referred to a strong odor. It's originally derived from the Latin word fumigar and was first documented in English in 1620. In the year 1784, funky, meaning musty, was first documented. But it wasn't taken up until around 1900 in early jazz slang, meaning something deeply or strongly felt. By the mid-1960s, James Brown had developed his signature groove that emphasized the downbeat with heavy emphasis on the first beat of every measure rather than the backbeat which typified African-American music. Brown's style of funk was based on interlocking parts, a funky bass line, drum patterns, and syncopated guitar riffs. Brown's innovations led him and his band to become the seminal funk act of their time. From here, innovations were prominently made by George Clinton through his bands Parliament and Funkadelic. Together, they produced a new kind of funk sound heavily influenced by jazz and psychedelic rock. Beginning in the late 1970s, Prince used a stripped-down dynamic instrumentation, which is similar to that of Rick James. Prince went on to have as much of an impact on the sound of funk as any one artist since James Brown. He combined eroticism, technology, an increasing musical complexity, and an outrageous image and stage show to ultimately create music as ambitious and as imaginative as P-Funk. In the 80s, largely as a reaction to what was seen as the overindulgence of disco, many of the core elements that formed the foundation of the P-Funk formula began to be usurped by electronic instruments, drum machines, and synthesizers. Horn sections of saxophones and trumpets were replaced by synth keyboards, the classic electric keyboards of funk like the Hammond B3 organ, the Honer clavinet, and the Fender Rhodes piano began to be replaced by new digital synthesizers such as the Yamaha DX7. Since the late 1980s, hip-hop artists have regularly sampled old funk tunes. James Brown is said to be the most sampled artist in the history of hip-hop, while P-Funk is the second most sampled artist. Funk is a major element of the jam band scene from the late 1990s and 2000s. Fish began playing funkier jams in their sets around 1996 and 1997, and 1998's album The Story of the Ghost was heavily influenced by funk. Artists like Modesky, Martin and Wood, Galactic, Soul Live, and Carl Denson's Tiny Universe all draw heavily from the funk tradition. Since the mid-1990s, the new funk scene, which is centered on deep funk collectors, and produces new material influenced by the sounds of rare funk 45s uh, are produced on labels such as Desco, Soulfire, and Daptone. These labels often release on 45 RPM records, and they represent the new space for funk, somewhere between ubiquity, gentrification, and cultural nostalgia. No longer the voice of the opposition and the revolution, funk is now seen as a sample for urban music, and a sweaty dive bar oasis for larger pop culture. So the first song that we're going to showcase here to sort of detail traditional funk is Livewire by The Meters. And basically The Meters 
you've probably, if you think you haven't heard them before, you probably have. Their song, their song "Sissy Struck" could be the single funkiest song of all time. But they're um, they're best known as New Orleans purveyors of funk, kind of combining um, highly syncopated sounds with almost a like New Orleans marching band second line sensibility, and in particular. This song we picked because with its it's a little speedier than some meters fare and with its emphasis on Hammond organ and um, very syncopated drumming, it almost sounds like a clone of what you hear during the jam part of the Riverport bathtub gin. Um, it's off of their 1969 self-titled debut as well as featured on nearly every one of the 800 greatest hits albums that the meters have. It's got very heavy organ. It's got a staccato breakdown, and it's um, we have it sounds like summertime drinks. It just sounds like kicking back on your porch, and I uh, think we should play some of it right now. That was the meters with live wire. That was a fantastic uh, clip, David. That uh, really reminiscent of that middle part of the gin jam. Um, you're absolutely right. It sounds like a clone of it. Um, up next, we've got uh, a little bit of lesser known artists, uh, you could say, out of L.A., a group by the name of Orgone. Um, Orgone is actually a noun, which is a uh, it means a universal life force and a cosmic unit of energy, also the creative force in nature, so you can uh, take what you will about the deeper meaning behind the band name, but this is a group that's been around since the early 90s, um, in, at least in part. They came together as a complete unit uh, in 1999. Um, they play all over the country. They opened up for Sharon Jones in 2010. There's our six degrees of fish separation. Uh, Sharon Jones played along with Fish for the Exile on Main Street set. Um, I saw these guys in uh, Sebastopol, California, when I was uh, helping out with the Green Revolution in uh, Northern California back in the fall of 2012. Um, they encored at the show with a song that we're about to play, uh, uh, Sabi, uh, and the uh, Vineyard was just pulsating with a groove. It was the same sort of energy that you find at um, fish shows when they lock into a jam like this Riverport gin. And um, it's always reminding me of kind of that really thumping, 
uh, tight groove that you get from this jam. So let's go ahead and listen to a little bit of that right now. for that song brian i will say uh until we started doing this podcast i did not know about orgone but have um since discovered them and, and enjoyed them very much now okay the third song i picked is from um a band that sort of captures the essence of the riverport gin it doesn't mimic it exactly but this is a band called five style and they were um I think they were based out of Chicago in the mid-90s, early 2000s. We're actually on Sub Pop, which is known as a label out of the Pacific Northwest, which put out um, Nirvana's Bleach, among some other early records. But, yeah, they were a part of um, the Chicago mid-to-late-90s scene based out of uh, the Empty Bottle Rock Club. Other bands would be um, like Tortoise, Isotope 217, The Sea and Cake, all the stuff that I loved in college and listened to today. Um, so the main guy in this band is a guy named Billy Dolan, who actually was, he's the guitarist. He was also the guitarist in his somewhat similar heroic doses. It's got John Herndon on drums, who's also the drummer for Tortoise, Leroy Bach, who was in Wilco for a short amount of times, and some other Chicago post-rock luminaries. So the song I'm going to play is called Pledge Drive, off of their second album, Miniature Portraits. And it's uh, not so much a funk song as it has almost a Caribbean feel. It's got steel drums, but it has a lot of bounce and a lot of lilt. And 
without sounding like an exact clone, it really captures the essence of the Riverport Gin and that it never fails to put a smile on my face. It's a bit goofy. It's a bit silly, but it's done by expert players. And kind of five style is known as being um, excellent musicians, but not as clinical sounding as some post-rock, whereas Tortoise and Isotope, it can almost sound like advanced, like trigonometry. You kind of have to study it. Whereas five style is more of uh, the backyard like barbecue version of the like late 90s Chicago. Um, they've got two records. The first record is more straight-ahead indie meteries funk, whereas the second one, it kind of sounds a lot like Fish. And it's got steel drum breakdowns and very complex playing. It's very fun. I would recommend it highly. So let's play that right now. Great track there, uh, David. I loved uh, diving into Five Style. Anytime I can revisit music from my hometown that I was previously unaware of, uh, uh, inexcusably or not, um, I'm happy to, to learn about. Um, so we wanted to talk right now a little bit about uh, what we've been listening to. Um, David, what has been? Uh, what have you been spinning this last week? Well... This is a funky episode, so it's only appropriate enough that I'm going to talk about a funk record. Don't Chuckle, a new record from Jamiroquai. <laughs> the new Jamiroquai record is really good. It is so, so good, man. I am right there with you. Jamiroquai's Automaton. Um, it's far better than any Jamiroquai record in 2017 would have a right to be. But a lot of people think of those guys as... The Jokers with the big furry hats, but they put out a bevy of really fantastic modern funk records throughout the 90s, and they kind of slowed down a bit in the 2000s. What there was a record in 2005, I think again in 2010, but this is the first record in seven years. It's very Daft Punk. It's just a bunch of summertime bangers back to back to back, and if really all you think of Jamiroquai is like Virtual Insanity or Cosmic Girl, or I mean, I guess. They kind of had a minor hit in the late 90s with Canned Heat when that song was used in Napoleon Dynamite. Um, you owe it to yourself to check this record out and check this band out. I will always ride for Jamiroquai, and this is their best album in several years. So Yeah, it really um, – you, you hit it on the head there with the Daft Punk. If, if you liked Random Access Memories from 2013 – but uh, are like some of us are not the biggest Pharrell Williams fans. Uh, this gives you the brilliant studio production of Random Access Memories without Pharrell. I love it. It's fantastic. 
Um, I'm not sure Jamiroquai has written as good a song as Get Lucky on this album. Perhaps but. not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. If, if you like the Riverport Gin, if you like um, Fish at their funkiest, which, you know, certain other people uh, who don't listen to Fish would be right to, to call that laughable, and uh, you're not listening to Jamiroquai. There's there's some something mixed up there. Uh, this is a this is a really fantastic record in uh, in very similar style to what we're talking about this episode. Hmm. Brian, what do you got? So um, I picked up a uh, record from a young Chicago band called I think I'm pronouncing this correctly. Nehi could be Nehi. I'm uh, thinking it's knee-high. Uh, they are a basement rock group. This is their second LP. It's called Offers. Um, it was recorded in a rush. They uh, scrapped the first sessions of their uh, of their record and just recorded this uh, in a couple of days. Um, it's got a very punkish pavement type of vibe. Um, it's kind of a less glammy version of the Smith Westerns. Um, the record is just filled with riffs. Uh, the first three tracks in particular, you just have riffs coming at you from all angle, and it's really, really uh, hooky and really catchy, but um, uh, has has some rougher points throughout the mid part of the record that are uh, great to bite into and great to listen to over um, a couple of different listens. So I would definitely recommend it. They're actually playing at the Pitchfork Music Festival this summer. Mm. Um, they're going to be lower on the bill, so probably get an afternoon set out of them, but um, would definitely recommend checking them out. They uh, they would mix very well with Chicago Heat and Old Style and Goose Island Beer. Um, and i uh, really been digging it lately. It's been great as spring has sprung down here in Maryland. I've got to put that on there. I'm not familiar with this band, but that sounds really good. So Awesome. So as we said at the top of the show, we wanted to focus on three themes today. Uh, we already talked about Fish's permagroove in their purest form. Uh, we talked about the evolution of funk. We also wanted to focus on the two sides of funk and indie rock. And so we've got two artists that we wanted to feature here that we think can be heard in some sort of lineage to the Riverport Gin, but we think also really showcase um, what I was talking about towards the end of that funk uh, historic, historical uh, overview um, where funk is nowadays. It's kind of in this cultural nostalgic point. And, um, so we've got two artists that we wanted to focus on, one of which um, we talked about in our first episode. Uh, I recommended his new record, uh, Thundercat. We've got a song here called Oh Shit, It's X off of his 2013 record Apocalypse, uh, which is a fantastic, fantastic record by a true bass virtuoso. Uh, this, uh, this album was produced by Flying Lotus. Um, Thundercat has a pretty diverse uh, career. He's worked with uh, Erica Badu on her New America collection. Uh, he was on Flying Lotus's 2010 record, Cosmogramma, and uh, 2012's Un- Until the Quiet Comes, one of my favorite records of the last 10 years. Um, and he was a pretty major contributor on the um, uh, Kendrick Lamar record from 2015 to Pimp a Butterfly. An absolutely devastating, fantastic record. Um, Thundercat's been playing bass since he was a child, and you can definitely hear it clearly in this song. Um, this song, to me, when we were first charting out 
jams that we wanted to do and artists and songs we wanted to feature. Uh, I remember just drawing a direct correlation between this song and the Riverport Gin. It just felt like a perfect lineage. Um, what do you think, Dave? This is his best song, I yeah. think. Yeah. Of, uh, between um, his record that just came out and then this one from 2013, this was the one Thundercat song that I put on several mis- uh, on several mixes. Yeah. I think we were going to use it in like a different episode, and I said, no, I'll save that for the Riverport Gin, <laughs> just because the bass line is incredibly rubbery, it's catchy, and... I think the X in this case actually does stand for ecstasy. Song has a bit of a drug message, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing it now. about our next song i just want to sing the chorus to that last song i just want to party you should be with me all right now that i've got that out of my <laughs> now that that's out of my system thank you so we're uh who's next sang it better we'll do i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure thundercat sang it better <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh the next song we're going to feature is a song called digital witness by the artist St. Vincent. This is um, this is the first single off of her most recent self-titled album. So tell us a bit about this song, Brian. I know it was one of your picks. Yeah, this song, um, I, I love this song. It, uh, I remember you, you actually coined this phrase, which to me sums up the, the, the song perfectly. It sounds like a deranged marching band. Um, I remember when this came out when I was just about to leave South Korea and um, I just got 
super excited about coming back to America and seeing live music on a regular basis. Um, St. Vincent, if you're not familiar with her, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, she's basically a cross between uh, a modern day David Bowie and a David Byrne. I mean, would, would, you, would you say that? Absolutely. People I know who have seen her and her career, they say that's almost as close as we're going to get to Bowie in this day and age. Yeah, and the yeah. The, the track that she's taken from, um, I know Actor was her second record. Her first record was um, Marry Me, is that right? Marry Me, yeah. Yeah, Marry Me, uh, uh, Actor. Um, cr- Strange Mercy. It? Strange Mercy, thank you, thank you. Strange yeah. Mercy and then her self-titled one. I mean, it's such an interesting career arc where you can almost hear like um, – like distorted folk in her first couple of records to this, just an all out party. Um, and this came right after her 2012 album with David Byrne, uh, called love the giant, which was a great record in and of itself. And really seemed to kind of set the groundwork for her to make this album. Um, St. Vincent is a Berkeley college of music grad. She got her start with the polyphonic spree, uh, she played with Sufjan Stevens' touring band at one point. She uh, somehow was a contributor for um, the band Swans on their To Be Kind record. Hmm. Um, which is interesting. I mean, they're, they're very, very different, uh, about as different a sounding uh, artist as you can get. But what I, one thing I love about her, she's kind of, uh, she's kind of genreless. You know, there's really no way to pin her down. Um, she could easily play on noise-induced music like Swans and play some of the prettier songs that you get off of Strange Mercy and Actor. I think she also recently directed a short film, which is part of a horror anthology. Uh, I think it was a bunch of female-directed horror vignettes. Interesting. And I did not see it. I just read about it. I'm sure when it comes out, I will, I will find it. I forget exactly what it's called, but it's notable that I was her branching off into another art form, and I have no qualms in my mind that she did it extremely well. But just uh, with regard to the, the marching band comment, I actually give credit to my wife for that. I remember we were listening to this album one day in the car, and she turns to me and said, you know, I like music that sounds like marching bands. <laughs> thought, oh, she's absolutely right. It's a... Uh, even kind of sounds like the Blur song On Your Own, which oh, also has man. a very deranged marching band feel with the songs are almost kind of kissing cousins. Now, we're not going to play that song, but uh, certainly I think we can listen to a clip of the St. Vincent song.
Okay, we hope you enjoyed that clip. Now, uh, before we wrap up, I just want to recap of the songs that you've heard on this podcast, which will also be available in the Spotify playlist the day after this gets published. So after the Bathtub Gin from July 29, 1998, we listened to Livewire by The Meters. We listened to a song called Sabi from the band Organ. Listened to Pledge Drive by Five Style. Then there was Oh Sheet, It's X by Thundercat. And just now, Digital Witness by St. Vincent. Awesome. And just a quick reminder of where you guys can find us uh, between episodes uh, for feedback, for thoughts, conversation, whatnot. Uh, Twitter, at underscore beyond the pond. Facebook, fish beyond the pond. Our medium page is beyond the pond. Uh, our Gmail account is beyond the pond podcast at gmail.com. And like David was saying, uh, the day after our podcasts are published, we'll put up our Spotify playlist, which if you search beyond the pond podcast playlist, say that five times fast. Uh, if you type that in, you'll be able to find us and, uh, Find most of the fish jams that we're featuring. Uh, whatever is available on Spotify, we'll include there as a thematic center point. But we'll also, uh, the majority of it will be um, the songs that we've listed throughout this and highlighted, as well as a track off of the new record that uh, we, we focus on. So right now, now that we're up and running, you can find us in iTunes and whatnot. We think right now for the publishing structure, we're going to try to have a new episode up every other Tuesday because Tuesdays suck and we all need something to look forward to on Tuesday. So we hope you enjoyed listening to this. Um, Once again, I'm David Goldstein. I'm Brian Brinkman. And thank you for joining us and come back in two Tuesdays again, in which we will go beyond the pond. Outside the world, people love people and they understand. If you want to renovate your background mind, a federal woman needs municipal man. People got to synchronize the animal.